Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you had an amazing start to 2018. For those that don't know us, Seth and I are both administrators of several nootropics communities. We both found nootropics and biohacking for reasons of enhancing our own lives, bodies, and minds. Our goal with N equals one is to discuss the latest in research and news so that you can make smarter decisions and enhance your own life. So, hey everyone. So for the first topic that we're gonna discuss tonight, uh, sucrose withdrawal and its effects on the body in terms of depression and anxiety-like behavior. Seth, can you tell us a little bit about this study that you came across? Yeah, basically what the study found was that heavy consumption of sucrose over time caused depression, anxiety-like behavior, and that reintroducing sucrose into the diet would actually reduce those symptoms. It had a lot to do with the D1 and D2 dopamine receptors and affected KIR 2.1 activity, which I'm not actually familiar with. Interesting. It also affected C-AMP response and C-REB activity, uh, reducing those, which is a serious issue for us biohackers um, because we're always looking for better ways to increase C-AMP, which we learned about initially, I think, when what was that supplement called it was a forscolin and artichoke extract oh uh siltep yeah that one yeah so siltep was one of the first supplements that started touting the ability to increase cf response yeah i remember that supplement it was very popular several years ago and i don't know it seemed like everybody just forgot about it but this new research is very interesting According to the study, 2% sucrose reinstated animals consumed significantly more sucrose after withdrawal than naive animals. Um, then it says, but animals previously overeating sucrose consume more than naive animals when 2% sucrose is presented. And that's, that's crazy. Wow. Yeah, and they give them the opportunity to choose between a bottle of regular water and a bottle of sucrose-enhanced water. And all animals quickly preferred the sucrose-enhanced water and completely ignored the regular water. We kind of already knew that sugar was addictive and that it's really bad for you. Um, but it's nice to have some specifics about what it does to your brain and why it's so bad for your brain. Yeah. So in other words, um, if somebody is overeating, overconsuming sugar, the likelihood that they will continue overeating is much higher than someone who just uh, occasionally eats sugar. I mean, that makes sense. It's kind of like a drug. The more you consume of a, an addictive drug, for example, uh, methamphetamine or cocaine, obviously, the more you use it, the more you're going to want it, the more you're going to need to feel normal. So apparently, sugar has similar effects in that sense. Yeah, and I thought the, the sugar cocaine association in those articles that say, oh, sugar's just as addictive as cocaine was, it was laughable initially. Um, and I still think to some degree, it kind of overstates the associations, but it's very obvious, 
especially with this new study that sugar is extremely addictive. It's, it can really mess up your mood and your motivation if you overconsume it or consume it chronically. It's better just to cut it out as much as possible. And we covered ketogenesis a little bit previously, which I still maintain isn't the best way to go, but it's clear that sugar isn't the way to go either. Yeah, I agree. I tried cutting out sugar for my diet. Like I, I don't think I even have sugar in the house. Um, if I do consume sugar, it might be in like uh, occasional ice cream or something like that. But I actually stopped drinking coffee just so I can avoid sugar. And I switched to um, caffeine powder, which it's not necessarily better than coffee. But my idea was let me avoid putting sugar in my coffee because I do not like Splenda and I don't like it uh, without any sweetener. So I'm just going to switch to caffeine powder. I get the benefits of not having any calories and I get the benefit of not having any sugar. But yeah, I'm pretty glad that I did switch over to caffeine powder, although it's uh, up in the air if it was the right decision. Um, How's it feel? Caffeine powder, uh, I've been using it. I bought two of those. I think it was like a kilogram from Powder City, like two of those. And that was two years ago. I have one left and it's halfway. For the money, obviously, it's a no-brainer. But is it beneficial to my health compared to coffee? I don't think so. I do like that it works almost instantly, um, especially if I take it in the morning on an empty stomach. I like that it has no calories, obviously, and no sugar. The only downside is that I haven't uh, put them in capsules, so I have to look like a, a weird person and put it on a scale <laughs> every morning. And so my wife, I kind of just told her, look, this is caffeine. It, ha it says caffeine on the label. Just chill out, you know? Yeah, I had a situation like that where when I first got my scale, my wife freaked out a little bit. <laughs> and I remember I went on an extended trip and we spent some time with some of her family and they found my, my little bag of powder city hordenine <laughs> and they didn't know what hordenine was. And she calls me while I was out and goes, my mom just found a bag of heroin. Interesting situation. And I had to explain what hordenine was and why I use it. Um, and at the time, I actually don't use it, but I wanted to supplement it and give it a try um, because I hadn't found out about selegiline at the time. And I was trying to experiment with monoamine oxidase inhibitors. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. I actually purchased PEA from Powder City. And according to further research, after I purchased it, I needed to uh, add hortidine or uh, something similar in order for it to be effective. But uh, yeah, the PEA, I'm not sure if you've seen it, but it looks like crystal meth. And uh, one time, yeah, like one time my uh, girlfriend then, she found it and she looked at it like, what, what is this? Like, what the hell is this? It looks like uh, just like some crystal meth from like Breaking Bad or something, you know? <laughs> so yeah. I just threw it away because it looked funny and I just never got to buy the hoarding. I've actually, I've used the combo. Um, I tested it a few times and wasn't getting any results. 
And at the time I was talking to a couple of people who were saying it was great stuff. And so I finally like I finally got a hold of somebody and said, Hey, you know, tell me what dosages I should be taking to get this, um, get the benefits from this. <laughs> and I followed their dosing schedule and I got really high. <laughs> and I found myself wanting to redose. And it really wasn't, I mean, I felt great, of course, because I was high out of my mind. Um, wow. But I would imagine it's not unlike um, other phenylethylamine-based drugs like methamphetamine yeah. on, a, on a smaller scale. Yeah. So I've still got mine, but I never use it. It's in the back of my cabinet somewhere. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. I didn't know the, the effects were so strong. But um, yeah, I was, uh, it was intactogenic. I was like touching my own skin and I had a huge head rush. It was kind of bizarre <laughs> given that I was trying to do something that would enhance my performance. I really just wanted to lay down and, you know, exist exactly. yeah. in that state. So going back to, uh, to sugar and we were talking about coffee, I've switched to coffee recently too. I was a big energy drink user, which I think we covered a little bit on the last podcast, but you found a cool study about caffeine and its effect on telomeres. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So according to study, uh, caffeine, those who consumed caffeine alone had shorter telomeres than those who consumed caffeine in coffee. So that that is an impressive study because that means that I have short telomeres or shorter telomeres than when I I switched from uh, coffee to caffeine. Hopefully that's not the case, but according to the study, that is likely. So it also means anyone taking supplements that have caffeine in them, energy drinks, or just caffeine powder like I've been taking may have some detrimental effects on their DNA. So according to the study as well, it says caffeine has clastogenic effects, which means it inhibits cell cycle dependent DNA repair, which is uh, something you brought up before the podcast that I wanted to mention. What do you think is a good counter to this? Like just stop consuming caffeine? Should people like uh, start adding ibuprofen to their... (laughs) to their stack once they take caffeine in order to uh, counter the um the damage that it's causing to the dna or or what what what's your take on that well there's a few ways to go i guess um coffee's not going anywhere anytime soon for me unfortunately i think ideally we'd all just stop using it all the time i actually Um, I have a genetic mutation that reduces the effectiveness of my superoxide dismutase levels. So I actually am prone to oxidative stress. And so caffeine can actually, or coffee can actually balance that out and improve it, but it can also increase other markers of oxidative stress. So for me, while I will eventually be trying to cut caffeine out of my life coffee is the way to go it looks like it has some really good anti-inflammatory properties and some other healthy components that kind of offset the harmful effects of caffeine yep so 
while I'm glad I got away from energy drinks, I'll probably be drinking coffee for a while. Yeah. If I can get away from it, that'd be nice. There's some impulsivity effects and some effects on dopamine that I don't really like and would like to avoid. Exactly. But it's it's a hard substance to stop using. I think most people can probably agree with me that it's it's too useful for productivity to give up completely. Yeah, and it's a, it, it's kind of crazy because uh, I believe in previously we discussed how coffee at least is actually beneficial. Uh, there's a study that says or that states that those who consume coffee on a daily basis have less risk of uh, dementia and heart disease. So this caffeine study is kind of interesting because now it challenges that it, maybe it's not the caffeine in the coffee that's helping. It's the other elements in the coffee, like you said, the phytochemicals. So should we start, should scientists start um, isolating these phytochemicals and studying them more? Yeah, that, that sounds like a good idea. Maybe the caffeine is just uh, one, one small component of uh, maybe very, very beneficial bean uh, plant. So, Yeah, I mean, my, my grandmother-in-law is actually a coffee farmer. Oh, wow. And she's in her early 90s, I think, and still kicking, still gets up every day. She lives in she lives in Mexico and she lives in a what was previously a school. So she has a big home with a courtyard and everything that she has to maintain and she handles it just fine. For a long time she lived alone and didn't need any help. Got by just fine. She's healthy, she's totally cognizant or uh, totally coherent. And um I was kind of amazed when I went down there cuz I know quality of life can be a little tough and the food quality and everything that's down there yeah um but i know that she consumes plenty of coffee and i wonder if that's her level of health is related to coffee's effects on reducing all-cause mortality and improving cognitive performance in older age yeah that's that's a very uh interesting theory right there According to this uh, caffeine consumption study, I quote, because telomere length is a biomarker of senescence, cells, senescence of cells, the present findings suggest that cell aging may be accelerated in U.S. adults as caffeine intake increases, but may be decelerated as coffee consumption increases. Given the magnitude and importance of these relationships, Additional research is warranted. What do you think uh, yeah. of the this statement right there? I missed that part, but I when you mentioned that, I also noticed in my notes I have that decaffeinated coffee intake was also associated with reduced risk of all cause and cardiovascular disease mortality. Um, so decaffeinated so, produced similar. Yeah. Wow. So I think what we're actually seeing from the benefits of coffee that isn't associated with caffeine isn't related to the caffeine at all, but it is related to other phytochemicals in the coffee itself. Wow. Although again, as much as I'd like to, and I've kind of advocated for getting off caffeine, if you can, I probably won't be getting off it anytime soon. 
Yeah, likewise, I'll, I'll probably try switching to regular coffee. But um, yeah, it's a very important aspect of my my daily life. And hopefully it's uh, it hasn't caused any damage. Yeah. Um, speaking of phytochemicals, I wanted to jump on a study that I found about aluguayacol, uh, which is also known as eugenol. It's found in things like cloves, cinnamon, basil, nutmeg, and asparagus. And it's an antimicrobial, anti-inflammatory, anti-cancer, antioxidant, and a neuroprotectant. And it was kind of amazing as I was reading about it. It has a lot of what we associate effects that we associate with nootropics. It increases brain-derived neurotrophic factor. It increases CMP and CREB. And it also increases the expression of track A and track B in the hippocampus, which is something we usually associate with CMAX and NUPAPT. So you're saying that this vegetable um, is comparable to CMAX, which is that um, Russian, uh, what do you call it? Peptide, right? Peptide. right? Yeah, yeah, that Russian peptide that is super popular. Yeah, it's it also enhanced the expression of antioxidants, like the one I mentioned earlier, superoxide dismutase, which I could definitely use, as well as superoxide catalase. So it's got a pretty powerful antioxidant profile. I'm not sure what its nootropic effect, what its what the potency of its nootropic effects are. I have no experience with it. I know that for people who are looking for natural substances that can benefit them, things like clove oil, um, basil extract, nutmeg, and cinnamon extracts could be really useful tools for biohacking and neuroenhancement. Yeah. Yeah, I found a great study, which kind of blew my mind. Um, they took asparagus extract in a few different dosages and tested them against um, the effects of scopolamine in rats. And they found that at the highest dose, it was actually more effective. Asparagus extract was more effective than paracetam at reducing the detrimental effects of scopolamine on cognition. So basically, people, people in hospitals that get – have you heard of cases where people like get kidnapped by being given scopolamine or in Colombia and yes. places like that? So yeah. this could potentially be like the extract could potentially be uh, powerful enough to wake them up or, or is it not that, do you think it's not that? Um, yes, it's extract. that powerful. So paracetam is actually, so scopolamine is actually a, a commonly used testing metric for the ability of a nootropic compound to reduce cognitive deficits or chemically induced damage to the brain. So when you read studies about things like paracetam and Nupept, they actually measure its ability to protect the brain from chemical damage by inducing scopolamine or by administering scopolamine and then following it up with paracetam or Nupept and seeing to what degree it reduces the effects of scopolamine. Is the extract easily available or is that something that has just been recently isolated? I'm not sure. The uh, 
I haven't looked into it because I just found out about this this afternoon, but I'm certainly going to be looking for it because this is something I'm really interested in. I, like I said in the last podcast, I haven't used paracetam and it looks like asparagus extract is available online. Um, you can buy it from Swanson and Vitacost. And they found 23 chemicals, 23 phytochemicals in it that had a broad range of effects, including modulating calcium channels, activating calcium channels, releasing acetylcholine, or I'm sorry, releasing acetylcholine and reducing acetylcholine asterase activity. So it's, it's, it's very much a nootropic. It's probably given its effect profile, it's probably on par with a lot of the nootropics we're used to and more familiar with. In order to get, yeah, I was going to say in order to get these doses, because I see in the study, it says that they've, they've tested doses of 50, 100 and 200 milligrams per kilogram in order to get that. I mean, we would have to see how much asparagus we'd have to consume. It looks like it's about a pound of extract a day. A pound Uh, of extract. Okay. Yeah, it looks like, well, no, 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 no. Oh, no, a pound brute, you mean, right? Yeah, so, no, of the extract. So the study did, used 50, 100, or 200 milligrams per kilograms. I'm about 80 kilograms, and that would mean I'd need to use about 16 grams, which actually isn't too crazy, considering piracetam dosages is around, doses around, five grams and creatine attack dose can start as high as 20 grams. Yeah. Um, it'd probably be something you could just mix into a smoothie as much as I hate to say this. Um, you could make yourself a green smoothie and it might actually be more science than woo. Yeah. Hmm. I was able to find powdered asparagus root for about 17 bucks a pound with a quick Google search. I'd be interested in, there's a four to one powdered extract um, from a vendor I'm not familiar with, but you can buy a kilo of that for 78 bucks. If I, I'll do a little more reading about it and maybe we can follow up in the groups or on the N equals one page, by the way, if, you guys who are listening haven't checked out the page, find us on Facebook. We're on N equals one. And we'll see if we can get a good seller, a good vendor for you guys if you want to try this out. I know I'm definitely going to. Yeah. Yeah, same here. I'm probably going to buy that kilo you mentioned <laughs> and start taking it every day. Um, yeah, I'll shoot it over to you. Yeah, but either way, like asparagus, like besides the – recent study that we came across that helps you with your mind your enhance it enhances cognition it's it's a vegetable and it has a ton of vitamins and minerals so if you guys aren't eating a lot of veggies adding asparagus to your diet could just have that extra benefit extra bonus of uh helping you with your mind so i would just add it just because (laughs) yeah 
I wonder if eating asparagus, I know if you eat asparagus whole and you eat it pretty regularly or you eat quite a bit of it, it can affect your body odor and that kind of thing. I'd wonder how the extract affects that. I'm, I'll have to report back on this. This is something I'm going to get into because it's amazing how effective it was at reducing scopolamine effects. It also said here that it increased reduced glutathione levels in the cortical and hippocampal, hippocampal regions of the brain, similar to paracetam, and augmented noradrenergic, dopaminergic, and serotonergic neurotransmission. That is really cool. I guess we, we, we'd have to uh, be the guinea pigs and try it out and see if we start stinking or we become geniuses <laughs> overnight. Let's see. Let's try it out and follow Jesus up. <laughs> I like that. Yep. Maybe someday we'll find a substance that does that. But in the meantime, it looks like, you know, the old adage, let thy food be thy medicine might be a good way to go. Exactly. <laughs> so to conclude the second episode of N equals one, we went over how sugar withdrawal can induce depression and anxiety-like behavior. We also went over how caffeine consumption may reduce uh, your longevity. So basically, if you're taking caffeine in any form that isn't in a natural form, like from coffee, if you're taking energy drinks, if you're taking caffeine powder, uh, you may be shortening your lifespan. So that's something to take into consideration next time you open that, that can of Red Bull. And then asparagus is a potent cognitive enhancer and can potentially protect against scopolamine. And uh, Seth, what was the other one? The, the... Uh, eugenol. Eugenol. There you go. Yeah, found in a lot of other foods. Um, cinnamon bark, that kind of thing, can be a potent antioxidant, as well as maybe having some nootropic effects of its own. Cool, awesome. So, yeah, for the next few episodes, hopefully we can... Uh, get enough feedback to see how we can better tailor this these podcasts to the listeners and potentially find some notable people to come on the podcast with us and discuss certain topics with us to give the public a different perspective. So yeah, if I am not mistaken, Seth and I would like to do this every two weeks and this is completely new to us. We're not professional podcasters or anything like that. So uh, the first few episodes are going to have some errors or some inconsistencies, but we'll uh, figure it out. Uh, we're confident we're going to provide massive value to the community. So tune in every two weeks. And if you have any questions or would like us to discuss anything in specific, please contact us. Like the N equals one page. Get in touch with us. And yeah, until next time. Goodbye, guys.